amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hi, folks. How are you? Still a little bit croaky. Not quite as bad as I was, thankfully. Um, Thank you so much for your lovely well wishes and various tips on remedies. (laughs) Um, I have a fully stocked medicinal herbal cupboard now, so uh, very much appreciated. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of my beloved podcast, Soundtracking, where I talk to people about film and music. And what I always say is that we're not an exclusive club. This is very much open to everyone and anyone and all level of film fans. We never want to feel like we're niche. Um, There are some weeks where we might go deep in on conversations with smaller, more unknown people, but Um, I hope there's something in there for everyone. And, well, this particular episode is no exception because, well, you'll find out in a second. But we've got some great, great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be joining us. Reggie Yates talking about his debut feature film, Pirates. Chloe Zhao, um, who we got to talk to about Eternals. Pablo Loran, who's made this incredible film called Spencer. Um, Paolo Sorrentino as well, The Hand of God. Um, is his new film, but I also talked to him about The Great Beauty. So loads of great guests on the way. But our latest guest, as we continue to supply you with uh, two episodes a week, I hope you're enjoying that. Well, this gentleman has undoubtedly had more mentions on this podcast than anyone else by, I would say, quite some distance. And now, so great, we finally have him in person. And I will say now that I hope that this is the first of a whole series of chats that we can do with the one and only Hans Zimmer. Now, he scored in excess of 150 films and been instrumental in developing the careers of, well, numerous composers, including Lorne Balfe, Harry Gregson-Williams, who've both appeared on this podcast. And he's worked with just about everyone who's anyone in the film business and joins us today to discuss his two latest blockbusters, Dune and No Time to Die. And they are both very different films and very different asks of him as well. Now, we'll aim to get him back, as I said, hopefully for a proper retrospective very soon. But in the meantime, let's enjoy what he has to offer us in cinemas now starting with a cue from June called Night of Arrakis.
Oh, Hans Zimmer, where do we start, sir? Where do we start? Well, it's sense of my childhood. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the idea that for over 40 minutes we can even scrape the surface of your incredible work would be an impossible feat. But I would love to talk to you about two particular things, if that's okay. One of those being June and the other of those being Bond. So can we start with June first, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. It only took, took Denis and me 40 years to go and make this movie. Well, it's worth waiting for. Denis is... He's, he's younger than me. God, everybody's younger than me these days. But we both uh, read the book when we were teenagers. And, you know, usually when you, go, when you tackle a subject that you read as a teenager, you look at it as, a, as now as an adult, you look at it through different eyes, you don't look at it through the child's eye anymore, and you look at it with wisdom and all that sort of shit. Um, this was different. This was like it took us right back to, to where we were when we were 13, 14. And we were reckless and we would experiment and we would go and not be afraid to make sounds that might be unpleasant. And I don't know, you know, it's like, like go for it. Go, go and give people an experience. Go, go and try to paraphrase the experience it gave us then. And, and take, take you for, you know, like they always say that movies, oh, they take you, you know, we're taking you for a ride, you know, and, and it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an experience and all that. But I really do think there is an experience in this movie that is different. And I think Denis is such an extraordinary artist. One, one thing you need to know is I never saw the David Lynch movie. I never, and I know there's some television bits and pieces floating around as well. So I never saw these because when I was reading the book, I was sort of making my own movie in my head, you know, yeah. the way you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I didn't want that. When I heard the David Lynch movie was like, whatever. 90 minutes or whatever I, I knew he couldn't tell that story in that time and and so I didn't want I didn't want them to blunt the vision I had and when Denis came to me and it was just the way just the tone of his voice it was just this you know just gently going did did I ever he didn't presume you know he didn't presume that I would do it he didn't presume that I would know it he very carefully and I could tell he was being careful because the answer was very important to him. He very carefully said, have I ever heard of a book called Dune? And I think my answer scared him a little bit because I went to one my, my full <laughs> freak out. Oh, you have no idea, you know, as a teenager, da, 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 favorite, this and that and the other. But I could see that, that for him, it was as important that it was somebody who, who it had resonated with as a teenager and who could still think like a teenager. Even though, I mean, look, I just turned 64 and somebody asked me, when am I going to slow down? And as they were saying it, um, I was like, literally like this rush of this thought came, you know, I just, I just spat out at them. What do you mean, slow down? I'm just getting going here. Yes. So both those projects were, were projects where, which were all about friendship. They were all about, like, very interesting working with Denis second time when we work together, but, you know, usually that there's a discussion that takes place where you go, well, I have this idea and let me explain it to you, and, da, 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 and then questions are being asked and you try to explain music, which is inexplicable in the first place. You can either, you play it and you either, it either resonates or you just throw it in the bin. But with Denis, it would, would be like starting a sentence and then he would finish it. Hmm. Or he would start a sentence and I would finish it. And sometimes he could finish. Um, very importantly as well, 
our editor, Joe. Joe Walker, who I'd worked with the first time in 1988 when we were whippersnappers at the BBC. No. When we, oh, yeah, we were children. We, we were children at the BBC. So, and Joe went to music school and I didn't. So there's always that thing whereby I have unbelievable faith in Joe where, where I feel I can, I can be more reckless than normal because Joe went to music school and he's going to tell me when I fuck it up. All right. <laughs> and so, so, so the team is, is vital. The team in this and, and the, the whole sound design team as well, Theo Green and Mark Mangini, uh, because at the end of the day, what I like is I, I come from bands, you know, I come from yeah. being in a band and I just invite everybody in, into the, and, and the COVID thing was, weird because for a while we couldn't be a band yeah and and i had to rethink things and and i mean it, it did it did create an interesting thing but by i was suddenly working with musicians from all over the world like i mean i i i'd have a team i'd have bagpipes going on in scotland i'd have some string players doing some weird stuff which uh, in vienna i had uh, lisa gerard doing things in australia i had my friend Laura Kotler, who's the main voice you hear in June, yeah. um, she was uh, she was recording in her clothes cupboard, and I have a beautiful photo of her sitting in, in in the bottom of her cupboard with with her skirts hanging on her head and her coats, etc. Because that you know, and 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 at the same time making this sound that travels across you know miles and miles of desert, you know this 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 endless wow. you know this endless horizons. know and 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 people you know and people in london who were locked down and 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 then that sort of and then so we figured out a way of you know where that just became stupid and it just became counterproductive and my studio's big enough that everybody could come in and be be sort of look put it that way everybody's still alive do you know what it's funny because i I was lucky enough to speak to denis maybe about three weeks ago and i i asked him because you can hear how much this book means to him when he talks about it. And I asked him whether the film is what he imagined his, the world would be when he read it as a teenager. And he got really emotional because he said, absolutely, I made this film for my teenage self. And there are moments within the film that are exactly what I saw in my head when I read that book and when I knew that this book meant something to me. Ditto, ditto. And I think that's why we got on, why we got on so well and, and, and why it was such, a, such an interesting experience whereby, you know, I could leave being 64 years old behind and just be 13, yes. 14 again. You know, and there is wisdom in being 13, 14. There is, you know, there is a, it's a, just a different type of wisdom. 
it's it's finding out that the world is impossible to navigate and you still at the same time figure out some crazy ways of navigating it mm-hmm. and then you come across a book and and there's that mantra about fear is the mind killer you know etc and it, just when you're when you're taking your first hesitant steps out into the world and it's all terrifying and it's all a desert. It's all a desert. It's all foreign. It's all, you might, everything is science fiction when you're a teenager and you take your first steps out <laughs> into the world. Everything is foreign and everything is hostile. And at the same time, all, everything everything that you grasp or touch or listen to or hear or converse with is, is wisdom that you've never had before. So it, it was a pleasure to go back to that place. Do you think it kind of it, it felt like uh, I don't know because from hearing and reading a few things that you said about the, the experience of this is it was a very not a different experience but the idea that like you say when you were talking to Denise and, and Joe there was no barriers really in terms of anything goes with you and you could play and you could discover and you could create and that creation includes creating new sounds we didn't just create new sounds we 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 built new instruments i mean i have a friend Chas smith he's um he's a he's a musician he builds he makes sculptures out of metal and he's a welder because he has to be right and his whole place in northern california i mean i don't think he will be offended if i say he's one of the last great hippie thinkers in this world his whole place is, is one resonating chamber made out of metals. He has some inns with all sorts of dodgy people at Boeing and Lockheed that give him scraps of metal that, you know, that they're going to go and bin. And, and he explains to me what they're called, and I can't even pronounce them. And, and, and I promise you, you wouldn't know, but it's like, so there's the, there are those instruments which are bowed or stretched or tortured or blown into, blown or whatever you, you want to do with it. And then my friend Urs Heckmann in, in Berlin uh, makes these wonderful synthesizers. And I kept I kept asking for things, you know, like uh, without actually explaining to him why I needed this or why, you know, why we were coming up with this. And he, and he, he just sort of built it and, you know, give us these things that, that could make impossible sounds. And, and, morph you know like morph a cello into a into the sound of some tibetan war horn or or the or the bagpipes you know yes i cheered i cheered when i heard the bagpipes
who would have thought that in the middle of the pandemic I can find 30, 30 great players in Edinburgh and drag them into a church and and and, and make a make make a righteous noise, <laughs> you know? And I said, and I was listen. That, that that is a shot in the movie, and I said to Denis, "Why, why the bagpipes?" And I'm, he said, "Well, look, heralding uh, trumpets is the wrong thing, but an ancient instrument like that seems to, you know." And we we were constantly trying to do this, that we were trying to cross time and space in in a peculiar sort of way, where the female voice was the most important instrument to us all. So important. They, because to us, the, the true strength of the movie is the female, uh, the, the, the female, uh, the females, and, and, and the women in the movie. So even when they're not on the screen, there will be a little bit of Laura Kotler or Lisa Gerard or somewhere in the score. Did you create you created your own language as well as what they and what they sang? Is that right? I, I'm cheating a bit. Denis didn't cheat. Denis didn't cheat. He had a um, 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 a professor come in who 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 really knows how to do this and invent languages that are that are uh, based in logic and fact. The language I used is really Lisa Gerard. Uh, I kept making her do things. I kept, I just, I just kept saying, okay, do, do, do something else, do something else. This went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then one day she sent me something and it was like a poem. And it was really quite long, but it all made sense. But you couldn't understand a word. Well, you know, but everything made sense. It was a charm, yeah. really. Yeah. And and I, I could tell she had sort of found some space in her where this language existed and where this language could be could come out and so so that that and, and of course her being a singer it's an important thing that language isn't just language but if you want to use it in music that it sings well
where did you start with the when you you know when you kind of I imagine the conversations were constantly ongoing but when you when you were sitting down with June to work to start actually creating where did where what was the starting point where was the starting point (laughs) maybe actually I shouldn't be telling you this because it's not in the movie in the book there are all these songs that different characters sing so I can't remember where I was. I was, was I, I must have been in London or something. You know, I would get phone calls from Denis or from Joe Walker going, oh, we're going to shoot the song tomorrow. Can you <laughs> quickly whip up something? So so the inn was a sort of a funny one where, where I would be writing these songs that um, to, to Frank Herbert's lyrics. And not, none of them, not, they, they, they were dutifully filmed and dutifully recorded and they're not yeah. in the movie yeah. because, you know, some things have to go. Yeah. And they weren't driving a story for it. But it was a good exercise to find, yeah. find like a sonic thing. And, and then really the place I started was I wrote, I wrote a piece called Paul's Dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of became the, the 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 foundation for everything else, and that became like I said to to Laura Kotler, the the singer. I said, "Can you do like a? I wanted to be like the cry of a woman, but I wanted to be fierce. I wanted to be like a war chant. I wanted to be like, you know, she's such a she's such a sweetheart. She's so gentle." And this track came back, which was like the first note tears your eyeballs out, the second note rips your head off, and the third note just basically kills you. And it's it's you know full of commitment. It's it's not a session singer. It's not a normal performance. It's just some I don't know some archetypal scream that goes across the universe, <laughs> um, like anything else. You know I don't I. I I can't take credit for anything. I can take credit for maybe being an architect in some of these things, but getting other people to uh, perform. I mean, the bagpipes there, you know, a lot of a, a lot of the stuff is my friend Guthrie, Guthrie Govan and uh, Tina, Tina Guerrero, the cellist, but they don't sound like a cellist and he doesn't sound like a guitarist. It's those sort of things where you go and say, well, we're going to try something completely different. You're like the chef and they're all your ingredients. Absolutely. Well, my, my, my ingredients, well, my ingredients um, are people I trust, but my ingredients are people I love. My ingredients are people that ha- have enormous skills and enormous talent. And my ingredients are people that are reckless and are prepared to go and take things further and beyond where you're supposed to go. You yeah. know, they're, 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 yeah. they're prepared to go, go, go a little experimental. I love um, the premonition cue as well. That's one of my favourite cues. Um, I think it's a beautiful. The, the, 
the the, the the build on it is just oh it's so great thank you You know, I wanted to, um, uh, to, to to immerse you in a way. I wanted to give you an experience. <laughs> that, that, you know, because this is only part one. But I shouted at the I, screen, I, though. I, when the film finished, I shouted at the screen. I was like, no, because I didn't want it to end. <laughs> I was well, uh, oh. Well, Denis is writing. I'm, I, I've written another hour and a half of music. It's, it's ready to go, you know. And I'm, I'm, and I'm stopping writing it so that he doesn't have to be alone, you know, with his typewriter or with his word processor or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I would keep him company by sending him pieces of music, you know. I love that. It's great. But you've written two scores pretty much anyway for this anyway, because you've, you've also written a whole suite to accompany the, um, the, the book as well. Yeah. Well, that just, I just, it just felt like the right, well, it's based, of course, on 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 the material, on the existing material. So it wasn't like starting from scratch, but it just felt like, wow, look at this! This I, I love the way the art looks in the in the movie. I love those amazing panels. I love uh, on on the walls of the room, etc. And I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if if we did something? And you got the book, and you could stuff. You know, you know, it's like I I got it during COVID when you would go to a restaurant, you would aim your iPhone at a thing and the menu would pop up, right? <laughs> so I thought, well, if, if we could do that, then music can pop up. So as you go through this book, you know, you you have a an oral, ex, you know, you you you're being carried carried along very slowly by strange sounds and strange music. Well, we're going to move on to Bond for a bit as well now, because, I mean, talk about, you know, sort of having a couple of slightly large projects that are coming out 
I basically feel like they're reigniting us back into cinema as well, you know, in terms of if there are two things that will attract people back into the cinema, it's Bond and June, um, which is fantastic. But both were made for both were made never with the with the intent that they would be shown on anything other than the cinema. Absolutely. Both both were designed, crafted. Look, I'm pretty sure that there, there are elements in Dune, just like there are elements in Bond, that, that will not actually work, you know, as far as the music's concerned, will, will not work on anything other than a big set of speakers. I mean, we, I had that on the dark night. They decided they're going to do the vinyl version of the soundtrack. And they kept sending it back to me saying, there's 20 seconds of silence. I'm going, there isn't 20 seconds of silence. And, until like the third or fourth or fifth time that it came back, I realized that the cutting head couldn't cut bass, you know? And so we managed to cut it, but there are people who have, who listen to the vinyl at home on their, whatever they have, and they, and, and they write in and they go, there's 20 seconds of silence. Why is that 20 seconds of silence? Well, because your speakers aren't big enough, you know? So what am I going to do? Am I going to aim for the lowest common denominator or am I going to go and aim for the highest common denominator mm. and with the, the the weird parallel between bond and dune for me is the sort of the the, the the people involved where denis has been dreaming about dune mm. for 40 years and daniel has made five movies but they're not five movies they're 16 years of his life yeah. i mean that's a yeah. real that's an investment of of life you know and I was very aware of that, that I didn't want to let him down. You know, I mean, it's like, and I don't think we did. And just sort of, you know, my friend Steve Mazzaro, who was, you know, he doesn't get enough credit. He, he was vital in this process, but he's quiet and I'm the noisy one. And Johnny Marr, let's not forget Johnny Marr. We're going to come to Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr, that's a simple one. Okay, well, I, we can do Johnny Marr in one go. <laughs> um, look, Barbara Broccoli and I have been friends for years. I never thought I'd do a Bond movie. Really? No, I never thought. No, no, didn't, didn't. You know, I I thought it'd be it'd be dangerous that you know what what if I what if I made a mess of it and and it would ruin the friendship and I I just you know it takes more courage to work with friends than it takes than to work with strangers because you know you 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 don't want the friendship to fall, fall apart because you're incompetent whatever but the, the Johnny as soon as she said you want to go and do it I said I got I gotta go and check with somebody I found Johnny and I said. Johnny, if there's one guitar tune that is legitimately, that fits legitimately into a movie, what is it? He goes, Bond. I'm going, exactly. Do you want to do it? He goes, yeah, of course. 
I'm going, you're on. <laughs> and so phoned Barbara back going, we are on. And then, and then, you know, like the, the Billy song as well, was like a friend of ours had said to me, you, you're going to get inundated with songs. You know, everybody wants to write a song for Bond. You know, there's going to be a pile of songs. But I know in there, it's going to be a little song, quiet, humble. Have a listen to that. And, you know, like everything else is like, you know, mm-hmm. vast, massive, da, da, da. And, there, and there was the song that, that Phineas and Billy had done. And I, lo- I just loved it. I just thought it was so moody as hell. It was, I thought it was really brilliant. And I thought, I thought what was so great was that it wasn't screaming at you. It, wasn't, it, it was inviting you in. It was taking you on a journey and all this stuff. But, you know, literally it wasn't quite right. And, 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 and people were going, yeah, but it's not, it's, not, it's not the movie. It's not right. And I'm going, of course it's not right. They haven't seen the movie. Get them on a plane. And, and I think the, the way I remember it, because everything was like, like crazy and in, in, yeah. in, in a rush yeah. and, and in a daze of jet lag and everything. I think by the time I said the word plane, they were already sitting in the cutting room watching the movie. And, 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 and I mean, that was just a, you know, like a delightful adventure. And, and again, it was like, oh, Billy Eilish, Phineas and Johnny Marr. That's a good combo. You know, nobody's done that before. And yes, of course, that end chord in the song is Johnny. Because because I needed a song that wasn't just a song that could work at the beginning. I needed something that would tell story all the way through. I should have known I'd leave alone Just goes to show That the blood you bleed is just the blood you own We were a pair But I saw you there Too much to bear So, yeah. so there, there are a couple of points in the movie. Billy's actually singing. She's not singing the words. She's just humming. But it's like she's she's a ghost. She's a beautiful ghost in the movie. Well, you know, he has his own. He has. That's the great thing. He has his ghost in the movie. He has you know, exactly. in terms of the exactly. female ghost right. in his life, he has Emily. Also, has Eva's character. You know, so that's amazing. 
so so that was a, that was a you know again a, a good way a good way of doing something where it didn't feel like oh there's a song that somebody did but but it, but they're not really they're not really part of the band do you mean it's like again you know it's like mm-hmm. putting a band together and look we, we we played the brits um you know we all played the brits which was fun and yeah. then then we got a we got a grammy for a song from a movie that nobody had seen so that's not <laughs> such a bad thing either yeah. you know so so i suppose i suppose we did okay yeah he definitely did is it is it was it a slight not a strange experience but when you are stepping into something that there's a I don't know, there's wallpaper already in the room, so to speak, you know, in terms of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I I was trying to be... Both Steve and I were trying to be... Well, I I was going to say we were going to be extraordinarily respectful of what John Barry had done, but then that's not really it. We loved it. Hmm. We loved it. And so we tried to make make this architecture which would absolutely start with John Barry and be very much his sound and only slowly merge into a more simmeresque thing so that by by the you know plus we had that great song that John had written i mean yeah. you know big reason for it why why that song exists in the mo- mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in 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 this movie and i think it really pays off and hearing louis armstrong one more time is you can't really go wrong there, right? We have all the time in the world Time enough for life to unfold All the precious things love has in store We have all the love in the world If that's all we have You will find We need nothing more Every step of the way Will find us With the care of the world far behind us we have all the time in the world just for now nothing more nothing less only love so so yeah, I know what you mean. You know, the, 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 many people have gone before us, and there's a lot of stuff that, that you can draw on. But there's, you know, but the, the, those are all treasures. Look, I, I, I know how it happened. You know, it's like if if the, if the, if there's one thing I can say about um, Barbara Broccoli and her brother Michael and Denise that they have in common, they lead with unbelievable kindness. You just you just feel you're part of the family. You just you know. Well, we we were we were we were friends anyway. But you know, it's like, but everybody. I mean, I I, I remember it's like we were calling on Valentine's Day, and Barbara went down. And I, I know she was in a hurry to go somewhere, but then she came back in with like the, just the biggest box of chocolates. You know, <laughs> not many producers do that. 
um there is there is method in my madness with my hat actually I'm just thinking about it because go on then um, the wonderful thing about having you on is that you we've talked about you so much on the podcast with just some of the directors that you've worked with on numerous occasions be that Ron Howard or uh, Guy Ritchie or uh, or Ridley or Nancy Myers or Christopher Nolan and I have to say that whenever I get asked what is my favorite soundtrack Interstellar is my answer every time uh, probably up until I heard June but I think that there is something incredible very special about that that score well, it was written very much for my son, um, Jake, who <laughs> during that time, he was 16, he was interning for three weeks at NASA. So your hat is uh, very meaningful. <laughs> and after three weeks, I got a phone call from NASA and uh, them going, do you think we can keep him for a little longer? And I'm going, yeah, of course you can. What's he up to? What, what's he doing? <laughs> They're going, well, we'd rather not say. You know, and so so when he came home that night, I said, "What are you doing? What are you doing at NASA?" He goes, "Well, Dad, really, they they asked me not to, you know, not to tell anybody." I love um, that. So then, so that turned into his last two years at school, um, moonlighting at NASA, getting up at five o'clock in the morning, and, and I still don't know what the project was. Um, uh, which is good, which is great, you know. And then they offered him a job, and he said, "No, I really want to go to university." And they said, "Well, we're keeping it open for you for four years." Uh, so yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's like Interstellar means a lot, means a lot to us. It, 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 I love, I, I love writing that score. I really, truly love writing that score. That, the, that you know when when Christopher gave you that sent you that little kind of the letter. Le- letter. I know that was what about about Jake that because he knows Jake he knows myself you know that letter it, it, it's it's not dissimilar to that you know that moment of the need just very quietly going have you ever heard of a book called Dune you know or Barbara phoning me in the middle of the night going what are you doing. <laughs> What are you up to? You're going to come to London. I think the reason I never thought I would do a Bond movie is out of the obvious reason, that which is who would have such hubris to ever assume to do something like this? You know, and there was a, there was a moment too of going, oh dear, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to be the guy who ruined it for everybody, you know? Yeah. 
listen, we're about to run out of time, but just a couple of things I quickly wanted to mention is the fact that, you know, when you look back on on the incredible collection of scores you've worked with, I was just picking out some of my favourites back to like Thelma and Louise and Days of Thunder I love, love as well. Yeah. Oh my God, they're so, they're so iconic. And it's kind of, you know, when you look back and you look at a list of them, it's like, how is this man being physically able to actually create all this wonderful stuff? Because, and I know you talk about your, you know, your, your band and you collaborate, but what's been really nice as well is we've had quite a few composers on who you, who've almost kind of come, come through with you and they talk so highly and about your generosity and your encouragement, you know, and, and the way that you nurture people as well, that you see talent in people and you want to help them and you want to help them grow and you want to... No, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I want to help them. I want to hear their music. I get excited <laughs> when I hear John Powell or Harry Gregson Williams's music. Genuinely get excited by it. So, no, I mean, Steve Massaro, Dave Fleming, you know, all those guys, I mean, they're, 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 they're incredible. They're incredible. And, 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 uh, I don't know, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I, I, I can't, I come from having loads of ideas. I don't have to be precious about it. I don't have to go and, you know, guard my little corner. I don't, I don't care. I can go and do something else. But I mean, what, what do I do anyway? You know, I mean, and, 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 you know, look, we spoke about Johnny, you know, and the person we didn't speak about, so I'm dropping his name, is Pharrell. You know, those two were the ones who were beating me up going, I, I remember exactly the sentences. You owe the audience, you owe it to your audience that you look them in the eye. You can't sit in a dark room all your life <laughs> and hide behind a screen. You have to go out on the road. You have to, you know, and me going, no, 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 no. No, I mean, you know, I'm surrounded by bullies, by friends who are bullies and they're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrified of everything and I'm not terrified of anything at the same yeah. time, if you know what I mean. It's totally. like, you, you, you just, you know, you just got to go out there and, and you got to say yes. You know, I remember Cool Runnings. Oh. I, I, love, I, I, I love Don Steele. I love the idea. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was great. And somebody's saying, what are you working on? I'm going, I'm working on a movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. And they're going, that's stupid. I'm going, no, it's not. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. It's like, you know, who would have thought it? And, and I just say yes, because I can see, I, I you know, I, I mean, I can see something in these things, you know, 
Boss Baby. I love Boss Baby. I can't wait for the new Boss Baby film. Oh, I love Boss Baby. I can't. Boss Baby. Can't wait for the new Boss Baby film. It's so good. I've got two kids and we have watched it so many times. We can't wait for the new film. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. Again, I mean, it's a director, Tom McGrath, that I've worked with, I don't know, maybe 20 years now. I mean, we did all the Madagascars together and, you know, we did, we did some really crazy stuff together. <laughs> and, but, and, but Boss Baby, I mean, it's, and it's full of heart and it's, it's imaginative and it's, it's brilliant and Alec is brilliant, you know, and, 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 and you, get, you get to hang out with your mates and you're going to make a noise and you're going to get it's I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Uh, neither am I, sir, that I got the chance to chat to you uh, tonight. That's great. It's brilliant. It's brilliant to see you. And thank you so, so much um, for your time. And, I, you know, I hope we get uh, no, to thank you. pick up again and talk about Top Gun and go back and talk about loads of other stuff as well. Hans, it's an honour. Oh, yeah. L- luckily, they moved it by year. God, I mean, I don't think I, should, I can talk about three big movies. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Just yeah. showing off now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Take care, sir. Thank you. Much love. Bye-bye. Be well. Much love. From the score to No Time to Die, that's good to have you back, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Hans Zimmer. 
My huge thanks to Hans for taking the time to talk to me. Obviously, it would take um, about a week to go through all the great scores that he's brought us. But hopefully our conversation gave you a little insight as to how the great man works. If you haven't already, please do go and seek out. In fact, here's three films we mention in the conversation today out in cinemas. June, No Time to Die and Boss Baby 2. Uh, and my lads and I actually rewatched Cool Runnings the other day. So go and seek out those films and enjoy. Head to edithbowman.com to hear my chat with some of the directors he's worked with, including Guy Ritchie, Gover Brinsky, Ron Howard and Nancy Myers. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK, where we post little video clips from the interviews, amongst other things. I'll also try and stick up the full conversation with hands up on the YouTube channel as well. Next up, as I said, we have the likes of Chloe Zhao. Pablo Laran, Reggie Yates, Paolo Sorrentino, Lin-Manuel Miranda. We'll have another episode up for you on Monday. So if you aren't already subscribed, make sure you do that now. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 